welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Blessed night, lovelies. It's your girl, Gwen Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else. Whether many of us realize it or not, there's an overabundance of love flowing through all of us for a divine purpose. We never lose from sharing it, and we can never run out. And extending sincere love to one another will make a huge difference, not only in our individual lives, but for all mankind. Remember, we are all connected to the one divine spirit which expresses itself through all creation, the individualized presence of God within each and every one of us. And that individualized presence of God is our mighty I Am presence. It is our life stream. Therefore, let us all, in this country and the world, make every effort to represent that divine spirit of God within that sustains us by sharing that overabundance of love with others, because it must be shared. And joyfully and sincerely extend those higher qualities of love, joy, and compassion to all of the children of the living God all over the world and throughout all of creation. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James and John the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Matthew 17 1-9 Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, 
seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John 21-21 Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20 24-29 Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples, by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. John 21 1-14 Thank you.
Isis Unveiled, Chapter 13. In the number of the London Spiritualist for July 14th, we find a long article, in which the author seeks to prove that the marvelous wonders of the present day, which belong to so-called modern spiritualism, are identical in character with the experiences of the patriarchs and apostles of old. We are forced to contradict, point blank, such an assertion. They are identical only so far that the same forces and occult powers of nature produce them. But though these powers and forces may be, and most assuredly, are, all directed by unseen intelligences, the latter differ more in essence, character and purposes than mankind itself, composed, as it now stands, of white, black, brown, red, and yellow men and numbering saints and criminals, geniuses and idiots. The writer may avail himself of the services of a tame orangutan or a South Sea Islander, but the fact alone that he is a servant makes neither the latter nor himself identical with Aristotle and Alexander. The writer compares Ezekiel lifted up and taken into the east gate of the Lord's house, with the levitations of certain mediums, and the three Hebrews youths in the burning fiery furnace, with other fireproof mediums, the John King spirit light is assimilated with the burning lamp of Abraham, and finally, after many such comparisons, the case of the Davenport brothers, released from the jail of Oswego, is confronted with that of Peter delivered from prison by the angel of the Lord. Now, except the story of Saul and Samuel, there is not a case instanced in the Bible of the evocation of the dead. As to being lawful, the assertion is contradicted by every prophet. Moses issues a decree of death against those who raise the spirits of the dead, the necromancers. Nowhere throughout the Old Testament, nor in Homer, nor Virgil is communion with the dead termed otherwise than necromancy. H. P. Blavatsky Philo Judeas makes Saul say, that if he banishes from the land every diviner and necromancer his name will survive him. One of the greatest reasons for it was the doctrine of the ancients, that no soul from the abode of the blessed will return to earth, unless, indeed, upon rare occasions its apparition might be required to accomplish some great object in view, and so bring benefit upon humanity. In this latter instance the soul has no need to be evoked. It sent its portentous message either by an evanescent simulacrum of itself, or through messengers, who could appear in material form, and personate faithfully the departed. The souls that could so easily be evoked were deemed neither safe nor useful to commune with. They were the soul, or larvae rather, from the infernal region of the limbo, the shoal, the region known by the Kabbalists as the Eighth Sphere, but far different from the orthodox hell or Hades of the ancient mythologists. Horace describes this evocation and the ceremonial accompanying it, and Maimonides gives us particulars of the Jewish rite. Every necromantic ceremony was performed on high places and hills, and blood was used for the purpose of placating these human ghouls. I cannot prevent the witches from picking up their bones, says the poet. See the blood they pour in the ditch to allure the souls that will utter their oracles. Cruor and Fossum confuses, Adon Manis Elisirant, Animus Responsa Datras. The souls, says Porphyry, prefer, to everything else, freshly spilt blood, which seems for a short time to restore to them some of the faculties of life. As materializations, they are many and various in the sacred records. But, were they affected under the same conditions as at modern seances? Darkness, it appears, was not required in those days of patriarchs and magic powers. The three angels who appeared to Abraham drank in the full blaze of the sun, for he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, says the book of Genesis. 
The spirits of Elias and Moses appeared equally in daytime, as it is not probable that Christ and the apostles would be climbing a high mountain during the night. Jesus is represented as having appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden in the early morning, to the apostles, at three distinct times and generally by day, once when the morning was come, John the 21st. 4. Even when the ass of Balaam saw the materialized angel, it was in the full light of noon. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 If people could only realize what freedom, what blessings can come by just always calling forth your own beloved I Am Presence eternally fulfilled divine desires for you, divine desires in you, divine desires around you. Then, my dear ones, you would give the mighty I Am Presence and the ascended host a free reign in your outer affairs. Now let us come into a very practical use of this. Your very first statement in the I Am Discourses says, I Am is the full activity of God. In other words, it is the full activity of harmony, the full activity of good. Then won't you take time enough in the morning as soon as you awaken, and after pouring your love to your presence, you ask your beloved I Am Presence to fill, now watch, the world around you as well as yourselves with its fulfilled divine desires manifest. Now then, your world may contain many things that will pour blessings to others, and sometimes you yourselves will hardly be aware of what your world can do for someone else. And in the call for that to fill your world, ask your beloved I Am Presence to be its fulfilled management of all outer conditions by its own sacred love of the sacred fire. Now, this has a double action, in asking your beloved I Am Presence to pour this into the outer activities around you, you have kept yourself disconnected from the sense of strain and struggle. Your love to your beloved I Am Presence keeps the door open, keeps you harmonized so your beloved I Am Presence divine desires and plans and perfection and management of you, in you can get through. You see, your beloved I Am Presence is all-powerful and so are we, but the perfection which we are and which we offer must be drawn into you by your own free will and your love for that perfection to come from the mighty I Am Presence in our octave, instead of looking to the world without and trying to create your methods and ways and means of drawing from the outer world what it does not yet contain. Beloved Elohim Cyclopea Now do you see where success lies? Do you see where freedom is? So long as your attention is tied to physical channels, it is tied to limitation, for those channels are limited. But when you ask your beloved I Am Presence to fulfill its own divine desires in everything in your outer world experience, and hold its management of that creation around you, you have set up your world of protection to start on. You have established, for that day, the harmony and the protection you will require, and then as you pour your love to your I Am Presence and ask it to come into you and hold its management in you, then you and your world will be harmonious, you and your world will cooperate, and you and your world will bless every particle of life wherever you abide. Sounds easy, doesn't it? It's much easier to live that way than your way. I know. I observe. I have beheld mankind struggle a long, long time. I see the perfection from within the great central sun, and it is my power of sight that I have given to the life streams who have embodied in this world. If we did not see the perfection of life in the manifestations of this world, what do you think would be the experience of the life streams who come into embodiment here to gain their freedom? If we did not hold the picture of your ascension for you, and if we did not plant within you the action of sight and the desire, the feeling within you to desire the ascension, 
the ascension as a goal would not draw mankind into its victory. Beloved Elohim Cyclopea, 